Right, well, hey guys, uh, welcome to The Leader Project. Uh, my name is Cody Harmon, and me and Bradley Hamilton had a chance to sit down with Jeff Shaw from Out of Darkness in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Jeff and his team are doing incredible stuff in the city, uh, really to just end modern slavery. Um, and so we got a chance to sit down with him and hear how they're doing this and how he pulls people together to accomplish such a, a huge goal. And so I hope you guys enjoy this episode and uh, that you guys learn as much as we did just from getting to sit down with Jeff. Awesome, guys. Well, we have an awesome episode today. Um, we're sitting here at the Atlanta Dream Center with Mr. Jeff Shaw from Out of Darkness. How you doing, man? I'm great. Yeah, it's a rainy Tuesday, but <laughs> it it's going well. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for just meeting with us and taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, Cody and I are huge fans of what you guys mm -hmm. are doing. And um, could you tell us to start off a little bit about what do you do with Out of Darkness and maybe even a little bit of your backstory sure. and how you got here? Yeah, so I was pretty much raised in the Atlanta area, went to school around here, went up to Berry College in Rome and then to UGA for law school and got involved working at a, a local law firm and just, I guess you would say, living the American dream, like had my own place and driving a car that I liked a lot that yeah. went fast. And um, I, in the midst of all that, it, when I was 26 years old, the Lord just really captivated my attention. And I kind of went on this journey of saying, okay, what is really my purpose? And yeah. pr I don't think purpose is only full-time ministry. I think no matter what you're doing, you can be called to that place, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's the business world or even in law, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I really got a sense that the Lord had prepared me for something in the justice field. And uh, the church that I was at at the time, I tried to start a homeless ministry and nobody would come to any of the meetings. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'll take that as a closed door. <laughs> and then I did children's ministry for a season and I really enjoyed it but still didn't feel that confirmation that that's what the Lord had for me and then in 2011 I read a book called Not For Sale and the guy who wrote the book traveled from kind of country to country and as opposed to telling like massive statistics he would look at a person that suffered some form of injustice or exploitation modern day slavery and then he would look at someone else who saw what was happening and just did something about it in their individual capacity, right? And I was so moved. Like, it was one of those experiences where every chapter I would read, I would have to set it down for the night and take a break and cried a lot. And at the end of the book, I remember just saying, okay, Lord, I, I feel you doing something deep in me as I, as I look at this. And if you'll show me what my place is, I'll do it. But I have no idea where to start, right? And from that the the whole concept of well everything that you just had your eyes open to is happening here in atlanta too mm -hmm. and i want you to be my answer to the cries of people god where are you will you deliver me and really like mobilize the body of christ to be his tangible answer to people's cries for freedom mm -hmm. so we just thought well let's start a 24-hour hotline and and women and children who are in prostitution or slavery they can call and we'll go get them like wherever they're calling from we'll just go and get them and take them somewhere safe and that 
just there was so much favor on it so quickly and it grew and we started adding components of a jail ministry and a medical ministry and it's all around the area of prostitution and trafficking but strip club outreach and street outreach and the lord just over the years has brought different pieces of that until in 2013 he said okay i'm releasing you from your your legal profession now and launching you into doing this full time so we found a home here at atlanta dream center so out of darkness is the anti-exploitation ministry of atlanta dream center and it's a great relationship and a great family that's here addressing all forms of stuff in the world but out of darkness is specifically that sexual exploitation piece yeah Yeah. that's awesome man and i know for listeners when you say the word slavery Mm. you know i know i talk about it a lot people think well that only happens at other places in the world can you talk a little bit to the slavery that's Mm. actually happening in our backyard yeah and i'll i'll kind of pose a question to you guys Mm. like when you the the term slavery kind of elicits certain pictures and images right Mm -hmm. and like apart from what you know already like what do you what what does it elicit for you when you hear the term slavery like what do you envision when you hear that i think for me which i know that we've also like seen a lot of stuff from passion that have, yeah. had, have done things with the end of yeah. movement and then i've actually had the chance to serve with out of darkness mm. and some of these things and and stuff like that so i think for me it's just the idea of somebody that's kind of being held against their will or being mm-hmm. forced to do things against their will that they otherwise wouldn't have, wouldn't do at all, you know, and, um, somebody kind of like thinking that they own somebody else, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's kind of my short yeah, answer. Yeah. If, I, if <laughs> I'm speaking good. honestly, man, I, I do feel like that's something that happens in third world mm-hmm. kind of places. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to imagine anyone being in slavery mm-hmm. here in, in America, let alone in a big city like Atlanta. Yeah. yeah and I, I think you guys both nailed it. Like, the idea of like in India, people working in a brick factory and not getting paid, right? right? Or kids being held in brothels in Cambodia. And that just understanding here in the States that even those forms of slavery are happening where mm-hmm. people are being held and forced to work and different things. But that slavery, actually, there's many different forms of bondage that take place. And that could be taking a child who was sexually abused in their own home and ran away from that abuse and then wound up with a guy who would put a roof over their head and a meal on the table, but they had but they had to bring in a thousand dollars through prostitution or dance at a local strip club or whatever, you know, that those vulnerabilities and lack of choices were really manipulated and used to force them into a lifestyle they would not have chosen for mm-hmm. themselves in a lot of cases. So when we see that woman dancing in the club or in that pornography video or standing on the street corner, we're not inclined to visually identify that as slavery. But when you start to peel back the layers and hear that person's story, you start to realize like, where was the choice? And like, this sounds a lot more like bondage and even emotional bondage of love that has been created, you know, out of promises, like we'll get married one day and you won't have to do this anymore. Or they have a child together, the exploiter and the victim. And then that child is used as emotional leverage and, you know, just all the different things that keep someone in a situation of bondage Mm -hmm. that if they actually had real choices or alternatives, maybe they wouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. How big of a deal is that in Atlanta? Yeah. Well, it's hard to quantify because the nature Mm -hmm. of trafficking is that it's it's very untrackable, right? And it's intentionally kept in the darkness. But I can tell you, you know, we've worked with over 1,200 women 
in the last five years and where I really feel like that's the tip of the iceberg. Like mm-hmm. as the more the word spreads and the more people start calling, we we average three to 4,000 calls to our hotline per year regarding women in yeah. situations of sexual exploitation. And um, that realizing too that in the criminal justice system, historically so many of the women just get arrested and charged with prostitution or drug mm-hmm. possession. And then they serve their time and they go right back mm-hmm. into the same cycle over and over again. So um, just starting to identify all these systems of oppression and saying not how can we rail against the mm-hmm. system, but how can we enter the system and offer a way out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole concept of our jail ministry, how can we go visit women with a history of prostitution and say, hey, you don't have to go back. There's an off-ramp for you, and you can mm-hmm. you can go a different way this time. And, and then breaking those generational cycles where kids that watch dad pimping and watch mom prostituting, and then grandma did the same thing, and it just gets passed down as a norm. So a child raised in that doesn't think there's anything wrong about that lifestyle. And so when you can extract a mother from that situation, and then she can begin to model a different lifestyle for her children, then really it's a generational change that goes infinitely far into history, right? That is going to break those years and generations of abuse and exploitation that are happening so wow. i don't know if i answered that's, your question i kind of went on a no, few no, rabbit holes there but yeah that's good yeah because that's what i love about your story and you know we do this for leaders listening and what's so cool to hear is the man i'm sure when this was first landing your heart like that's a huge mm. chore you're thinking yeah. and how do we go out and storm so much darkness mm. in these huge difficult situations that are happening um what would you say to leaders that do have a big dream or yeah. maybe something huge in their heart and you just don't know where to start. That's so good. I I think it's worth saying that when the Lord called us to start out of darkness, there was kind of this really crazy idea that we could see this end in Atlanta, right? And you tell people that and they're like, "You're that's insane. Like it's always been here, always will be. But I think it's really important when God gives you that big dream, write it down and keep it and then revisit it. Like let him continue to remind you of those promises because circumstances will tell you it's hopeless and people will tell you that it's hopeless. But when God's given us a promise, I think really holding that, holding fast to that promise and believing it is gives so much hope and passion to keep fighting the good fight. Right. And um, I think the other piece is realizing the, the dream that's in front of me, I don't have to accomplish the entire dream now. Like it doesn't mm. all, it's not all or nothing. Mm. So start taking steps that you can take unto that dream and realize that only God knows the timing of its fulfillment. But in the meantime, this is what's in front of me right now. And that's what I'm going to step into. And then he brings another piece and you take another step, right? And then there's yeah. another open door and you take another step. But realizing that, where especially for people who are visionaries, we love to dream. We don't love to execute on a practical level and do the Mm day-to-day perseverance and the day-to-day commitment and sacrifices that it takes, but measure, count the cost and bring a a well-rounded team like you don't want to be a visionary that's only surrounded by visionaries because you'll have a lot of fun dreaming together, but nobody yeah. will ever get anything done. So 
like value the person who's administrative, value the person who's cautious that says, hey, let's measure the risk before we move forward, value the people who slow you down to make sure that you're faithful in the details, because it takes the, all those aspects represent the character of God, and we need all of them represented in our team, I think, to really realize our potential, wow. if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And two, thinking through, like, which I love that idea of just having your, your big overall goal where you want to see slavery ended in Atlanta and then making those small goals to get there is is huge. Um, and so what are what are some things, you know, me and Bradley were looking at your website and um, getting some more information, seeing how, like, how you guys do that stuff. And I think the big thing that we saw in there was the idea of, of reach, rescue, and restore, mm-hmm. um, which that's a whole other just leadership episode just in that. It's, that's clear, that's simple, that's, you can measure that easily, mm-hmm. you know. So, so how do you guys use those three areas and what do those three yeah. steps look like as you guys uh, go for for that big goal of, of ending slavery in Atlanta? Yeah, that's a great question. So that we do organize all of our activities under those three main buckets of reach, rescue, restore. So the concept of reach is let's get to people where they are and let them know that there's another way. So they may not be ready to come to us yet, but we can go to them in their environments and their circumstances. And so the primary ways we do that, one is through a weekly outreach called Princess Night, where Mm -hmm. we take 25 volunteers a week. We take uh, 50 roses and handwritten cards, and we just go to areas that are high volume of prostitution and exploitation. And we stop for the women and offer them that rose and card as a gift. And then we ask them if there's anything we can pray for them about just Mm -hmm. to encourage them. And um, always that offering is there that if they want to get in the van and leave with us that night, they can. But Mm -hmm. we don't push that because they have to be ready. Mm -hmm. But all those cards we give out have our 24-hour hotline number in it that they can call Mm -hmm. anytime for a team to come and get them. Another thing we do is a monthly outreach called Encounter that stays out way later into Mm -hmm. the night, early morning. And they do street outreach, but they also go into a lot of the strip clubs in the metro Atlanta area. And they go back into the dressing room and they give out gifts. It might be cookies or makeup Mm. or whatever it might be. And they just want to let those ladies know that they're loved and they're precious. And same thing. Is there anything we can be praying for you about? It's really our outreaches are really about relationship building. So... Mm communicating value not judging their decisions or Mm. condemning where they're at but really communicating that they're loved and valued and hopefully over time helping them begin to embrace that idea for themselves i am valued and there is a plan for my life Mm. and then that would lead to the next component of rescue which if someone calls that 24-hour hotline it might be a partner it might be law enforcement it might be an individual themselves that's looking for help if we tell them who we are and what we do If they're ready for that, we'll send a team. It's always a man and a woman together, and these are all volunteers. Mm -hmm. And the guy drives, and then the lady on the team will sit in the back with the woman who's being rescued just to kind of be there as an emotional Mm -hmm. support for her. On On the back end, after that rescue takes place, so the rescue being the extraction out of the environment or the circumstance, then we have two 24-hour safe homes currently, and we're, we're hoping to continue to grow that across the U.S., where women can come in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The houses are staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When they come in, it's giving them new pajamas and underwear and toothbrush and toothpaste and just all the things we take for granted that they probably don't have available Mm -hmm. to them a fresh towel new linens on the bed and it's a it's a true home environment it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like you're in a hospital or Mm -hmm. a homeless shelter 
but it's truly a home and we try to create an environment where you dine together take your meals as a family style and there's a case manager who helps identify your short-term and your long-term goals and then over the course of about three to four weeks helps those individuals get into the next phase which we call long-term programming where they leave our care and they go into the care of someone who provides up to a year or more of long-term support that may include counseling, job readiness, getting your GED if you never finished high school, those types of things. So it's kind of a a continuum of care. And we initiate the beginning of that restorative process and then help them get into the next phase of that beyond us. Yeah, Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the model that you guys have is so unique and I think huge for anyone who wants to tackle Mm -hmm. a cause, especially I love that first part that you talked about where you reach people where they're at Mm -hmm. and you step into their life without, you know, assumptions or condemnation or whatever. And uh, I I think that's huge no matter what space someone's leading in is to remember that reach piece. That's good. And we're, it's a really cool opportunity to challenge churches to say, we're glad you guys are here. And we hope that if one of these ladies walked through your door and took a seat in your Mm -hmm. sanctuary, that they would feel a sense of belonging and acceptance and value, but so many of them don't know you're here and they don't know how to get to you and they wouldn't mm-hmm. have, they have so much shame that they wouldn't walk in the back mm-hmm. door of your church. So will you join us? We want to give you a platform to go to them and tell them yeah. that you love them and that they belong and that you accept them with the hope being then, then they enter into these mm-hmm. communities of believers where they can heal and grow and mature in the mm-hmm. Lord together. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so just as you guys bring in volunteers to mm-hmm. to go out and, and be in the streets and uh, just walk alongside the different people that you get to meet and uh, and offer that that first branch of, of reaching them mm-hmm. to um, as you guys train them I know that, that a lot of people come in and uh, they, they come in a little bit early but you don't have necessarily a, a lengthy training process but you have a good hour or so meeting with them beforehand so how do you guys use that time that mm-hmm. uh, to bring in volunteers that maybe it's the first time working with yeah. you guys or um, or maybe they don't know a lot about how serious the 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 slavery issue is in Atlanta. How do you use that time at the beginning to to bring people in, get everybody on the same page Mm -hmm. and working towards that same goal um, as you go out to try to reach that that huge goal of of ending slavery? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. So what we have to realize is we have basically that 45 minutes or an hour to make sure people know what they're actually going to be doing that night, right? Like from a nuts and bolts perspective, but also we have to try to get them to posture their hearts, Mm. not to be judgmental or condemning. Cause a lot of us, myself included, we come to the issue with a notion of, well, you chose to be in prostitution or, Mm. you know, you're, you could leave any time or, you know, all these preconceived notions that we have. So we have to try to address those within that orientation as well. And then hopefully by the end of the night have cast a vision for what we believe the Lord wants to do in the city. So uh, obviously we we lay a spiritual foundation because a lot of people come there anxious and fearful. Like I'm going into a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Am I going to get hurt? So we, we tell them, you know, for the 12 years we've been out here consistently, no one's ever been hurt. No mm-hmm. one's ever had a gun drawn or a knife pulled. Mm-hmm. We ha- we're going... We have these policies and protocols that we follow to be wise, but we're under the covering of, of the Lord's grace and protection. And so we don't want to go in a spirit of fear. And we talk about the fact that 
the pimps and the traffickers are not our enemies. They're not the ones that we're in war against. It's understanding that it's powers and principalities and rulers of darkness that want to destroy the pimp as much as the woman that he's prostituting, right? So having our minds set for spiritual battle, not in the physical realm. And then we walk them through just the tenets of the night, like, hey, this is what it's going to look like from a practical standpoint. And then typically what we do is at the end of the night after the outreach, when we come back, we debrief together and people share testimonies and stories and how God touched their heart. And then we hope to utilize that time to kind of have them get a deeper vision for coming back on another outreach or maybe going a level deeper and being on our hotline or being on the rescue team or being a mentor in the safe home. So outreach really provides the opportunity to introduce people to God's heart for the issue and for the women. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully if they, if they experience something profound mm-hmm. through the Holy spirit, then maybe that will be something that they continue to press into and become involved with in the long term. Yeah. 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 I think that's huge. There's so many good pieces that any leaders should think about when training mm-hmm. anyone mm-hmm. on the cause. So like if you adjust the heart and the logistics, that's incredible. Yeah. If someone does want to uh, get more involved yeah. with you guys, what are some ways they can do that? Sure. So the easiest place to find all that information is our website, atldreamcenter.com slash get involved. And then all our volunteer opportunities are listed there. So you can do outreach with us. You can go visit women in the jail with us. You can answer calls on our hotline. You can be one of the people that go pick women up when they call for help. You can come in our safe home. You can bake cookies with the ladies. You can do art. You can take them to the park. You can be part of taking them to church on Sunday morning. Like whatever, we always tell people, whatever you're good at, whatever you enjoy doing, we have a place for you in this ministry. It's not just for doctors and counselors and social workers. Like where, what, whoever you are, whatever you do, there's a need for your involvement in the work. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, and that's that. I can speak into that too. Just as I've had a chance, uh, I think twice to to go out on Princess Night um, and and get the just as you talked about handing out the roses and stuff mm-hmm. like that and being part of some of those teams. And the first time I ever went, I got to see a lady come off the street that wanted to come that's in for awesome. help. And wow. uh, so that's that's just super eye opening because I grew up in the Atlanta area too. And so to be on roads that I took going mm-hmm. to Braves games as a kid and then being like, man, all of this stuff is happening. I had no idea. Um, is is huge. So you guys are doing incredible stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and it is eye opening to see how a lot of that's happening. I mean, right in our backyard, you know. Right. So, um, so that you guys are doing incredible stuff, and it's cool oh, to see you guys you. grow with that, and uh, and see people come alongside you guys just to, to help out and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it so much, man. Thanks for you know one just for sharing with us and taking the time sure. to. Um, yeah. and share your experience and what you've learned. I wish we had a ton more time yeah. just to yeah. pick your brain on stuff. And two, just thank you for what you guys are doing. Man, we are just blown away by the fact that you stepped into that darkness. Mm. And um, just thanks for all that you're doing in Atlanta, man. It means a lot. It's an honor. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. yeah.